1: Fidelity. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner, along with Chris Lisa. We are now going to be affiliated with the inaugural launch of the Hockey Writers Podcast page over at thehockeywriters.com. We're talking with J.D. Styles from Cali Sports News, reporting live from the Stanley Cup Finals. And today we're being joined by the first general manager in Las Vegas franchise history, George McAdoo. With Pat Quinn, you know, I'm likely the finest man I've ever met in my life. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Quinn Malarchek.
2: There's something about George McSee that everybody says is a good pick.
1: This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast, and we're talking with Dana Lane, play-by-play voice of the MLB Rebel Hockey team and owner of Dana Lane Sports. Joining us now is Matt Pryor of thehockeywriters.com. He's coming to us from the Dallas Stars training camp. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to another episode of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. This is Mark Warner, along with my co-host Chris Lisa, and we've got a action-packed episode today, wall-to-wall hockey. We have Christy Dominici's coming coming in to break down the Atlantic Division. We've got Dana going down the Vegas Lane, breaking down the rookie camp and the first days of training camp. Looking ahead to the maybe a little preview of the Canucks game tomorrow night. Hard to go into a game with only one practice. Under your belt as a unit, but we're going to see what happens. And we've got an overtime period today where we're going to have two fantasy gurus in. They just put out a new fantasy hockey. Module. So for all the hockey fans out there that get involved in the DraftKings or have your fantasy hockey leagues, make sure you stay tuned for the overtime period because uh, we got a. It's a four-time award-winning fantasy hockey writer and a member of the Professional Hockey Writers Association coming in and they're going to break down their new magazine and the fantasy prospects for this season. So, a lot to get to today. There's a lot on the table. Uh, let me welcome in Chris. Good day to you, sir.
3: Oh, good day to you, sir. And also, we want to give a quick shout-out to our partners at Grandstand Sports and Sportsology. Uh, if you missed last week's show, first of all, shame on you. Uh, second of all, the show is uh, up on both sites. You can go to Grandstand. Uh, SportsNetwork.com, find the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Last week's show we had, of course, Dana Lane with his weekly spot, uh, going down with the Vegas Golden Knights, as well as Matt Pryor of the Hockey Writers, who writes mostly about the Dallas Stars, and he broke down uh, did an incredible job breaking down the uh, Central Division. And also you can check out uh, check out Sportsology.com. That's Russ Cohen, a man who wears uh, many hats, author, great hockey writer. He's got a great new article up on the site on Mitch Van Mitchell Vandal Sample, uh, a sleeper prospect in the New York Islander system that he saw play live in person the other night in Philadelphia. And go to Sportsology.com, click on the radio tab uh, t- button uh, and to find our show, and this show will be up on both sites uh, as well. And uh, so, with that, for topic one on the breaking the ice segment and this is a topic that just does not want to go away, and that is the mess in Colorado with Matt Shane. And I guess my thought about this is, you know, this this situation was all created by Joe Sackick. Uh, There is no reason, uh, going back the last year or two, for Joe Sackick to make the public statements that he has saying, you know, this one's on the block, that one's on the block. uh, Last November, uh, Mark, if you remember, after a real tough stretch, he came out and said, "Well, basically, I have three untouchables in my entire organization. I think two of them uh, were his top two prospects at the time. So he, you know, this whole mess has been created by him. And then, obviously, his incredibly high demand for Matt uh, You know, considering uh, he's probably, you know, some of you, you know, if you are a half glass full guy." I think you say he's a tweener between a first and second line player. If you're a a uh half not uh full, uh you say he's a second half line center two. and he's got Yeah, so he's got two years to go at six million. Uh so I and I gotta be honest with you before getting your viewpoint on this, uh I, I feel like unless uh something radically changes in Joe Sackett's mind, mine, I find it hard to believe that he's gonna get traded, uh uh, before the start of the season. I, I think this is a storyline that will drag on until the trade deadline, and uh, and uh, I'm not sure where we're headed with this. But, uh, you know, teams are pretty much set. they, In their own minds that they're set, and training camps have started. So unless there's a team out there that's going to be as equally desperate and meet second, price I, I find it hard to
1: believe that a treat will get done well yeah, there's a couple a couple things on the table that he should jump on if he really is wanting to move the player um let me correct him i said christy dominici for uh it's chad Dominic dominici and i i just i don't know whatever self-correction moving um yeah, I think you said it best. It's, as much as we all wish it would go away, it just continues rendering and leaves a mess that Joe Sackett's making. Um, I think it's the kind of mess that, and I'm not going to anybody's head, I'm nothing, but uh, I think it's the kind of mess that you create with your star and that gets In a lot of cases, if it doesn't resolve itself. So. I don't know. Give I, I give I give Duchesne all the credit in the world. He he, you know, he hasn't put anybody on blast. He there was talk that he wasn't going to come to camp, and he shows up to camp, um, handling it. I and I guess we just do wait and see. if he.
3: yeah i uh i would i would agree i i you know we'll have to just wait and see but i would be yeah you know, again you'll be reading you know two to three maybe even more than that rumors per week between now and opening night uh i will go under believe it when i see it and yeah, you know another big story this week before we each throw out a opening salvo about the n h l Atlantic is um you know the the news this week about the city of Seattle and it, it's looking very strong that they're gonna get an arena deal done even though they don't have an NBA or an NHL sports franchise or ownership but uh, obviously we've told we did a show over the summer uh, with Derek Helling, a fan-sided uh, terrific guy on on uh, the sports business and technology and all that good stuff and he uh, we talked about uh, Carolina, and Quebec and, uh, uh, Seattle and, uh, I'm in Arizona. And he, I, I think at the end, Mark, if memory serves correct, I posed the question to him in the next five years, what will be the probability of an announcement that Seattle will be getting a team? And I meant to go back this week and listen to it. I think he was somewhere between 80 to 90%. If memory serves correct, he was very, uh, positive about it and again seattle is a market the nhl would love to add to the league uh 12th largest city uh you know it's growing and extends the map uh it it would do very well for them to add so uh you know not there yet but there's some heavy hitters involved with this new arena deal and it and based on uh the local uh in terms of the from political standpoint Ownership standpoint, you know, it seems like we're heading to all systems go, and they're talking about having the building ready in three years' time. So uh, we'll see what that means for the NHL. But uh, things look very promising for an NHL franchise to be in Seattle in the next few years.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, You're a little muffled there. Well, would it all be, uh, out of the
1: game? for stadium deal. And Tim will be, yeah, you know, his background with a little...
3: That's better. Go ahead.
1: With, well, just with the players involved in that group, and we all know that Seattle wants, uh, the NHL wants that footprint in Seattle to create the rivalry with the Canucks and the Pacific Northwest. There's a, a big United States footprint that isn't being... Tell them that Northwest corridor there and uh, I all even Bill Daly said back about the time they were starting to discuss expansion um, that Seattle would be a great a great market and they'd look forward to being in Seattle so I don't think and and Commissioner bedman always says well as soon as there's a shallow ground we'll have something to talk about right now there's a uh, say. Hey. Which means um, so, from the league standpoint, I I think it's a slam dunk that Seattle gets the team. Now, my question to you, sir: How does uh,
4: how does
1: that who you know did everything they were supposed to do? Did everything right? Rabbit hockey fan base, traditional uh, hockey market, and. They're out in the cold if they go with the the 16th Western Conference team and put it in Seattle. Uh, We've kind of talked about on the show that Quebec is going to be a relocation site, more so than an expansion site. And if Seattle does put this together, um, I think that solidifies that opinion, don't you think?
3: Yeah, well, they they don't. First of all, we we need you to tweak that, Mike, just a bit. But uh, to answer your question, Seattle has it does not have a couple of disadvantages that Quebec has. Uh, it's, you know, size of the market. Uh, Quebec, I think, city is a little is a little over half a million people. Seattle is the twelfth largest market in the United States. The whole situation with the Canadian exchange rate. So, in terms of you know revenues coming in uh, at the Canadian rate, which is 70 cents on the dollar as, uh, with expenses going on at the U S dollar level. Um, and, um, you know, so those, those kind of big things are the, those two big issues uh, at hand. Uh, and then, uh, they didn't, I didn't read too much about this, but there was talk that Quebec city, even though they were going to write the check for half a billion dollars for the expansion fee, you know, they they would not they would be open to some financial other financial owners. So I don't know how much that played into it. Uh, and I, I believe Jerry Bruckheimer would be involved with the Seattle group. So that uh, I think, yeah, I think I I think Quebec definitely can work, but there are definitely. Some questions there. Now I, I think their path might be easier if there, is, you know, three whatever it may be over the next couple of years or whatever in the next five years, whatever that is. If there's a franchise out there where it's just not working, then I can see the league, uh, for lack of a better term, taking a chance uh, on Quebec. But Seattle has, you know, one would appear all those kind of check marks, if you will. The only, the only negative. And this is more of a, although it's an important point, more of a schematic point. Is obviously you'd have to put Seattle in in the Pacific region, and and you already have eight Pacific teams, and the I think the team that's closest uh, to the East Coast of those eight Pacific teams is Arizona. So, but uh, you know, I guess that's a problem they they would they would work through and uh, maybe move someone like Arizona to the Central or something like that to, to balance everything out. But, uh, you know, to get Seattle in the league, they, they would be very happy with that. And then I guess and the last point before uh, Dana comes on the line, uh, in terms of the Atlantic division, to me, a lot of question marks about this division. I see a lot of teams that I don't think are playoff teams uh, for my money, and I'll bring this up to Chad De- De- Dominick, we have him on uh, in segment three, the cream of the crop by far is uh, Ottawa and Tampa Bay in this division from top to bottom. Uh, but a lot of question marks in this division. I, I guess so you could make an argument it could be an interesting battle for the third spot. But uh, and-, and you can make an argument that maybe this is the worst division in hockey.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna put Montreal in there at the top of that. Um, I think you know they won the division pretty easily last year, and I, of course that's with with the energy prob- uh, energy injury problems that Tampa Bay went through. So, if Stamkos is healthy for the whole year, then Tampa should definitely give them a run with Ottawa finishing second um, last, last season. You got to put them, but I think you have to put the Canadians in as as part of the top three. I don't think they they struggle. I don't think they the players that left will make as much of an impact as, as people think. And bringing in Alsner to stabilize the defense, Shea Weber also, that's a nice pair. Bringing in Drew in helps the scoring for sure. Um, I, I think Montreal is going to be just fine to to put well, a, a real me, quick bow on that.
3: If you told me that Carey Price is going to stay healthy pretty much for the entire season, I would agree with you. If you told me he's going to miss some time, uh, I would say. It's, it's a question mark. mark. Uh, yeah, yeah I think for sure. Well, let me go ahead and bring in uh, Dana Lane.
1: Dana Lane, Dana Lane Sports. sports. I play voice of UNLV Rebel Hockey. Good day to you, sir. How are you, man? Um, good. It was good catching up with you last Saturday. Um, we're fresh yeah. off a UNLV opening night win uh, for their first yes, campaign in Division I ACHA hockey. Talk a little bit about what it means to get off to that good start as they move to Division One against a team that's been established. And thanks to z and the boys that were at ASU, um, it, yeah. How important it is it yeah. to get that good start under their belt?
2: Well, I mean, obviously it's huge. I mean, uh, I, I know that there was some rumblings about at uh, practice this week where you know some people were like, yeah, you know, if you go one and one, that's a that's a really good start, and you know you should be happy with uh, with that kind of start against an established Division One team. Uh, and unfortunately, I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't down there to see it. Um, I'm doing my, <laughs> I'm doing my family trip as we speak, uh, uh, the one right before the NHL season starts. So I, I know I won't see you it. For nine out of months. Way. Um, yeah, yeah. For sure. <laughs> um, but, um, think about it. I, and I know, I knew some guys that were down there. Um, and, and the feedback that I got from the game was they played physical and they played disciplined. And we know last year that they played physical, but they weren't always disciplined and, and that's that's good news coming from this team. There's a lot of size, there's a lot of skill, and the kids that come, came back last year uh, obviously put a lot of time in the gym. So uh, they look like that they're Division One players. And you know, honestly, I mean, I I know these guys put in a lot of work. I know this is a big step for the program. There's only one more step after this, and that's Division One NCAA. And so uh, to get a win over an established Division One team, game one, and not only just a win, from what I understand, the game was never really in doubt. UNLV was in control throughout. And, you know, this is a team that's still trying to find themselves and still trying to find uh, some some cohesiveness. So when they do that, uh, who knows what they have. I, I, I've, I did have some people throwing around some lofty expectations after seeing them last night. Uh, I, I tend to try to take everything game by game, but it's nice that people think that much of them.
1: It is important to start, but not uh, let's not hand them the cup yet and let's not run them into the ground. They had to come up there and lost the same 3-1 game. That doesn't necessarily mean it's the end of the world either, so let's keep a little perspective uh, as, as things go, but definitely an encouraging start for the boys, for the Rebels there over at UNLV and ZCon and his program. So very good to see, very good to see. I'm going to go ahead and throw this to Chris. He has a couple Vegas Golden Knights questions for you now that there's the actual training underway and they're, they're blossoming one game or one practice session before they go into their first game. So let me throw it over to Chris and get some Golden Knights talk started. Sure.
3: Hey, so everyone, please follow Dana uh, at Dana Lane NHL. Great follow. Um, also, uh, great listen with Brian Blessing um, over at the Vegas Hockey Hotline. Uh, follow his timeline, uh, get all those great details. So, Dana, uh, I read sometime in August about an injury, a mysterious injury with Nate Schmidt, and then and before the show, Mark was telling me about an ankle and uh, if you, you can get, update us, where is that a serious yeah. thing? And then the other thing is, was I incorrect? Am my cause my, my, my mind lately has been all over the place, but did I see some situation with James Neal as well, that he has uh, an injury? Uh, the injury bug has bitten him a little bit as well.
2: Yeah, there's a couple of injuries. Um, I'll start with Schmidt. I mean, the update was uh, probably, I don't know, probably five weeks ago, maybe four weeks ago that, Uh, There was, and of course he played in the uh, the beauty league. And so uh, probably the day after his uh, season ended there, uh, he, there was a injury that he received uh, in just working out. That's, that was the report that, that we heard. It was just a working out injury. Uh, They said that they would evaluate it in about a week. Uh, We did not get an extensive update on that probably until about a week ago so it was much more than a week. And the speculation was, okay, you know this you know the the ankle sprains, there is a various degrees of ankle sprain. of course, and when you don't put any information out there, and then you you couple that with the fact that you say, well, he may not be ready for camp, um you know, the only thing that you could probably speculate at that time is a high ankle, and I just keep on thinking about Jack Eichel, but fortunately, that's not the case. Uh, Fortunately for for Nate, Nate was uh, on the ice this past week. He uh, he did skate. He looked good. Saw him in a couple of interviews. Uh, he was smiling as usual. So he is he is good to go. As far as James Neal is concerned, he has a hand injury uh, that was suffered last year um, in the uh, in the postseason, deep into the postseason, which he continued to play with. Uh, it was in the Western Conference Final. He continued to play with that. Uh, he has not hit the ice yet. There is uh, some speculation that he will not, you know, start the season. Uh, and if he does, it, it he won't be hundred percent, but uh, there's no need to rush him back. Uh, there, there is some murky details on that. So nothing definitive on James Neal and even um, uh, to further the injury point, uh, Reed Duke also uh, had an injury uh, apparently in the, in the games against the, uh, the Kings rookies this past week, uh, that he's going to be reevaluated. He, um, is not practicing with the team. He was in uh, in uh, his civvies, and he was watching practice outside the uh, outside the glass today. So that's kind of the injury update from the Golden Knights at this point.
3: Well, the jump off from James Neal's injury situation to me, that opens up an opportunity for someone to get a sure. longer look in camp. And I'll, I'm not even delving into you know, the twenty their twenty seven NHL draft class. I'm looking at more guys like William Carrier. that someone like that might get a longer better look from the coaches uh in training James Neal and needs a cut two, three weeks in the regular season. Someone like him or uh the kid from Toronto, his name off the top of my head escapes me of the year. They drafted a couple of young forwards in that hill of Carrier, the kid from Toronto, the kid from Carolina, part of my uh Brain for not working right now you could fill us in on that what kind of opportunity does it open up for those kids
2: well i love william Car- carrier i mean I, I thought that that was a fantastic pickup a lot of people that that know him and have seen him play so that you know i mean my assessment is the kid's got a a bunch of talent and he's got a bunch of speed and you know i mean we we had thought that possibly he was going to be uh, starting in Chicago but i kind of haven't had a month ago kind of penciled in as as being on this team, so you know obviously this is just another opportunity for him to make it. Um, uh, the reports I get from him so far is uh, he looks pretty good. Now you know the the one problem with practice is unless you're right up against the glass, which I I tried to uh, tried to be, and you got a roster in front of you, uh, you know there's no there's no numbers on the backs of these guys, so I'm still trying to learn who everybody is by face. But um, you know certainly Terry was a guy that. Uh, is on the edge, and he's certainly a guy that could benefit from an from an injury. Uh, but again, uh, nothing definitive on whether or not James Neal is going to be, uh, you know, definitely out for that first game against Dallas. But I would anticipate yeah, it.
3: Yeah, Brendan Lip, Lip, Lipstick, yeah, Uh so Yeah, that was yeah. The, yeah, yeah, that was the kid. I think they took from Toronto. That would be another yep, kid, I guess. Uh, yep. Uh, to Keep an eye. I would think keep an eye out. You know, and maybe even an Alex. Alex
2: Tuck. Well, I think Tuck's got a real opportunity of playing major minutes on this team. Uh, the the rookie uh, the rookie camp or the rookie games in, in El Segundo this past week probably proved that out. I know that George McPhee was happy with his play. I, I think um, if there was any negative about it, I think he has to learn when to throw his body around and when not to. He kind of took a, a bad penalty in the corner that, that put the team in the hole for a couple minutes. Um, that's not something you want to see out of him. But, you know, the guy's 6'4, he's a big body, and uh, he looks like an NHL hockey player out there rather than an AHL player. So I, I expect we will see a lot of Tuck this year in Las Vegas.
3: Now, I know both of you guys were at the training at the prospect camp, so I want to, for the last five minutes, we have Dana starting with Mark and having you guys go back and forth. Who jumped out at, uh, for you, Mark, and then maybe for you, Dana, in terms of you know the especially the kids uh, in the first couple of rounds at the, the Golden Ice Draft uh, last June
1: well we i was able to get down there and see three three of the part of parts of three different sessions and for me I, and i was you, you kind of stole my thunder on that was was Alex Tuck really really stood out as someone who was you know just a level above the, the average if you will of of the rest of the guys on the ice there and uh the first Golden Knights signer, Reed Duke, um, I, I thought he he stood out as as a guy in the three on three drills, especially um, his his hands and his his skating were just that much better than than just about everybody else that I saw on the ice. And then the second pick in the amateur draft, Suzuki, I I thought he had a really good rookie camp and. And for me, those were the three guys. And, and we, were, we were having lunch and, and watching a little bit of the practice o- over the glass. Um, just City Nationals, a, a pretty pretty spanking nice facility. Um, I'm just going to go on record right now as, as saying that that's, uh, that's a really nice place place to go. If anyone in Vegas is, is around and looking for a bite to eat, they have the McKinsey River Restaurant. And it sits on the second level of, of practice ice. And while we were there, they had the, 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 one rink was open for family skate and the rink was obviously we were watching was open, uh, and, and had the practice going on it. And it's full length glass on wall, both sides where you can sit there, have a bite at the counter, uh, beverage of choice, if you will. And, and just watch, watch what's going on out on the ice. Um, but for me, those were the three guys out of the three sessions that stood out to me. I know Dana, we were talking while we were there. Uh, you had a, a sleeper kid that really impressed you. Did you want to? Did you want to go into that and give the kid a little little love here? Yeah,
2: absolutely. I mean, I try, hey, look. I I agree with you too. I mean, Nick Suzuki looked fantastic. He, and, and not only did I I, I like the way he um, he performed on the ice, but I just there's something about him. There's something about his demeanor. He's likable. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I there's something that makes you root for he's him and then, you know I'm he's comfortable go ahead, I'm sorry. And, and, yeah he's enjoying with, the with, moment um he just looks like a, a kid that is going to continue to blossom and he and he's he's not overwhelmed by where he is and I know you know it you know we always right after we talk about Suzuki we always go to Cody Glass and I'm still I know he had a good second game Uh, down in LA against the, uh, against the Kings rookies, But um, I I have yet to really kind of sit down and study that. I try to get through these games and end up uh, with my eyes shut. But, um, you know, I'm still waiting from, from practice at least. And we talk about demeanor on the ice, and I'm still kind of waiting for that to shine through. I'm looking for a kid that knows he's a number one pick and walks around like he's a number one pick and, 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 a, and a kid that is going to say, you know, I I will be the leader of this team at one day. And I, I still don't see that. I see that more out of Suzuki than I do out of Cody. And that's not a rip on Cody in any way. It's just a, a kind of way that I want my first rounder to carry himself because everybody really is looking at him. As far as the sleeper, um, Guys, I love this Tyler Wong kid. And I know he's probably, he's undersized. And I know that he's probably, you know, two years away, maybe. But I love his speed. I love his tenacity. He's kind of a poor man's Nick Suzuki. Um, He doesn't always have to make the spectacular play. And I think he, I think he tried he has a little bit of that in him. I don't know if he's a great finisher, but that's something that could get better over time. And I try to look at some of these guys that, you know, I think down the road are going to contribute. Is he going to be a superstar? I don't know, but I'll tell you what—he's as fast as anybody on that ice right now, and uh, fits in pretty well with the guys that he's with. Um, I also agree about Reed Duke as well. I thought Reed uh, handled himself exceptionally well. I thought he was a little bit better in the developmental camp, but certainly not out of place. And uh, you know, as far as the goaltenders are concerned, it's Dylan Ferguson was it has been good. Uh, Thompson has been good as well. Uh, so I think down the road, at least for Chicago, if I'm Rocky Thompson and I'm looking at what I have, um, I think I have to be pretty, pretty happy with what's going to Chicago.
4: Hey, we got to
2: up against the hard break here, uh, sir. Again,
1: your insight is always is fantastic. It's always good talking hockey with you. Make sure everybody follows Dana at Dana Lane
2: on Twitter. And we will next week, sir. Okay, guys. Well, I have, hope you have a great weekend. I'm off to Universal, and then it's uh, hardcore hockey for nine months.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Take care of your family, <laughs> sir. Enjoy. Okay, guys. Have a great weekend. Well,
1: now let's get, let's get into the uh, division preview we got going on. We got uh, Chad Dominici's with Grandstand Sports Net to have our show on their airwaves this season. It was definitely a pleasure to be affiliated. And just welcome to the show, sir.
4: Thanks, Dad. Appreciate having me on. As
1: always, as always. Um, I wanted to start because it is your area of expertise. We might as well start with, with the Buffalo Sabres. Um bit of block return turnover there in Buffalo and the uh
5: um,
1: not hard to I think the argument that if Michael and his position have not missed 28, yeah. they've been fighting Boston or other couple teams that were down there for that they seem absurd. Sorry, guys, you're kind of cutting out me a little bit there.
4: It's, I didn't really
1: get the question. Here, do the question back
4: again. Um. Yeah, I'm, I'm Mark. Tough cell phone.
1: Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Chris. Uh, what was your question, Mark? Chris, are you there? You said, "Ha ha ha." No, I just, I just want to if, if uh, the uh, the Sabers did with with Ken and Johnson's backup goalie. Is is that enough to offset the players that left a lot of roster turnover there in Buffalo?
4: Yeah, Chris, I up to pick that up, so cutting out. So if you heard him answer, I only heard a little bit of it.
3: Okay, yeah. So Mark, it sounded like he's going to work on his uh, microphone there. Uh, uh, he, he was asking, are they strong enough in goal? It sounded like it was Leonard and Johnson. And have they done enough? with their all-season uh, changes, it uh, sounds like, to at least to contend for the playoffs.
4: You know, in goal, it, it's it's kind of a big conversation. You know, I guess the big debate in Buffalo. It depends who you ask. Some people are Leonard fans, and some people think that there's no way he should even be here again this season. Um, I come down on the side that I thought Leonard was fine last year. Uh, he had one of the, you know, among goalies who played over 40 games, he was in the top 10 of the league. Uh, he had a better save percentage than a lot of guys, you know, that were playoff goaltenders, even big name goal His goals against average wasn't great, but he arguably played behind one of the worst defense groups in hockey last year. Um, you now the defense group has appears to be improved this year, but you know, he's on a one year contract, uh, kind of a prove it deal with the new management and Baderel. And I'm not really concerned about Leonard. I think he'll be fine. Uh, I think he's an average to a slightly above average goaltender, which is really, I think, all you need in today's NHL. And, you know, on Johnson, I guess it's good to you know have him as a backup. You know, Leonard has had injury issues. Last year he was fine. Didn't suffer any injuries. He had maybe missing one game or his back kind of spasmed on him, but that's really it. So, Personally, I'm not that worried about Leonard and the goaltending. I think it would be fine. Uh, they have all marked down the minors too, even if it gets to a situation where both Johnson and Leonard go down. So, you know, it, it, it kind of depends who you ask. If you ask another service person, maybe a different answer, but me, I'm not that concerned about goaltending. I think there's some other areas you can look at maybe are more prevalent or they need improvement in those areas.
3: Yeah, you know, Chad, for me, for my dollar, uh, while I can understand someone questioning, like, hey, is this going to be good enough to get the Sabres back to the playoffs, uh, my bigger questions with the Sabres are, do they have enough defense after Rousseline and Scandela? And, you know, this was a, you know, in terms of this team scoring last year, they had the number one power play, uh, but as you know, they were beyond dismal. I mean, let's, let's put it this way. They had the number one power play, but ranked 24th in, in goals scored per game. So they're 5-by-5 five five in terms of play, is just abysmal. And being out here in Long Island, New York, obviously I'm a huge fan of Kyle Oposo. I'm glad to see him back at camp. But when I did read that what caused all these uh, tests and being in the hospital for weeks was like a, hidden, a light hidden practice practice that, that's always scary when you start hearing those things. So I hope he's he's going to be okay. Obviously that's a, kind of a wait and see. So how do you feel about those areas?
4: Yeah, I mean, the, the power play, you said, is, you know, top ranks in the league. And, you know, that first power play, it had some Spaposo, O'Reilly, uh, Rick uh Sam Reinhardt. I mean, that, that first power play unit really, you know, it has a lot of skill on it. it was, the second power play unit was what we call it a Buffalo here. It was the Evander Kane power play unit, where it was basically just Evander Kane, Brian Johnson, Matt Molson. It was just get the fuck to Evander Kane let him shoot. Uh, that's improved this year. But on the five-on-five scoring, you know, um, yeah, that was that was an issue last year. But also, you can't forget, you know, they were without their best player for 21 games and really wasn't himself until probably, I would say, February. And their best five-on-five scorer, Vander Kane, he missed probably 10 11 games too, and he didn't start scoring goals really until January when, you know, he finally started to feel himself after fracturing three or four ribs on opening night. So, you got to take things into account. Injuries, you know, kind of hurt him a lot last year. Um, a lot of guys didn't buy into the system that Bowsville was playing which I think could of hurt that as well. Uh, Sam Reinhart wasn't really the same player we saw in his rookie year, so that kind of hurt him, but I think he's had a bounce back year this year. But with the additions, you know, you got Pominville, who can provide some 5-5 five and five scoring. Uh, Benoit Fouliot kind of playing for his career, basically. He should be motivated, and, you know, and, and you're getting everybody healthy. You're getting Eichel, who's hopefully not going to be healthy all year. Vander Kane going into a contract year. really wants to have a good year, uh, so he'll be a free agent next summer. And, you know, the defense will help a lot, too. It, it's a much-improved defense and a much-improved puck-moving and distributing defense. You know, Cody Franson's gone. Uh, Dimitri Kulikov, who struggled mightily last year, gone. But now they're replaced with guys like Victor Antipin from the KHL, who, you know, really don't know what he's going to be to so see him play, but maybe he can be what Nikita Zaitsev was for Toronto. And that guy can skate. Uh, he's said, like, a good puck distributor, Nathan Beaulieu. is another guy they got from Montreal who can skate and distribute the puck. And, and how's the system, you know, he you said he you wants a five-man attack. He wants the pressure with all five guys on the ice. And, you know, a lot of guys from, you know, hearing their feelings early in training camp here are pretty excited about that and ready for, I guess, the new opportunity and to really get going.
3: Before I kick you back to Mark, uh, I, I made the opening statement in our first segment about this division. A lot of question marks in my mind. But two, to me, the two teams that – are the cream of the crop of this division, and I expect them to battle for the division title. I like to get your opinion on it since you see these teams so much. And that's Tampa Bay and Ottawa. Ironically, both teams were would, uh, would just one game, uh, one very close loss, in Ottawa's case, very close, game seven, to getting to in the Eastern Conference Finals the last two years to get to the Cup Final. Uh, I, I see talent in all three areas. Uh, I see depth. I really like both coaches. Uh, how do you feel about Ottawa's and Toronto, uh, T- Tampa's, excuse me, prospects going into the season?
4: Yeah, I, I think you nailed it with how open this division is. It really is, I mean, in, in my opinion. Besides Tampa Bay, who I think should win the division, they lost Coast back. Uh, they lost Duran, but you know they're they're healthy this year. They really weren't last year. Um, I'm a big fan of Epley. I'm, I'm glad he's the guy now. I think he's going to be just fine. Uh, so Tampa Bay, I think is going to return the form there were the previous two years, not last year, but the two years before that. And Stanco sounds motivated. You know, he's he sounds ready to play and excited about this season, so that's kind of a scary thing for the team in the league and I, I expect him to be one of the top two or three teams in the division. Oh in the conference, I mean not just the division. Um, on Ottawa, you know <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna try to as my nice as I can. I am not a fan. Of Ottawa's roster, I think Eric Carlson's one of the best players in the league. Um, but he's hurt; he sounds like he's not going to be ready for the season potentially. And if you look at that defense in Ottawa without Carlson on it, it is pretty bad, very bad. And you got Craig Anderson and, who, and Mark
1: Mathot left. You
4: know, right? Mark mathot has gone too. Correct. You know, and Craig Anderson. You know, he missed a lot of time dealing you know, with the his wife, and you know, it looks good that kind of coming back now from a personal standpoint, that's great to see. Uh, and, you know, he yeah. had that great run in the playoffs, but I, I don't know. Are you going to get that high-level play at him again? And I, I just, I, I can't, I really buy it. And, you know, offensively, yeah. I mean, they have the guys, they have Mike Hoffman, you know, Bobby Ryan is not the player that I guess he's thought they'd been the whole time. Kyle Turris was a nice player, um, but I just, I don't know. I mean, they play that defensive style where they'll, will kind of choke you, choke you out and they'll beat you 2-1 or they'll beat you 1-0 or maybe 3-2, but you know, without Carlson, depending on how long he's out, if, if they get into an early hole, that, that can really set them back. I, I, maybe it's just me personally. I Even on the playoff session, they made that run. I, I just didn't think they were that good. And they got really lucky think they had a good playoff system that they played, that they won some games and choked some teams out uh, with their playing style, but I, I just they, and they will get to you a little bit here. I, I don't have them in the top three of the division. Honestly, I, I don't think they can be a wild card team potentially. But I think depending on how long Carlson's out, the injury is really going to hurt them. And like I said, in general, I'm just not that high in that roster. And I, I think they got a lot of good balance last year. They might not get the same this year. All
3: right,
4: Mark.
1: Yeah, we segued there to the Senators, and, and you pretty much made a lot of the points that I wanted to make. Um, I know that the playoff experience will help a lot of the young kids on that roster is, is going as far as they did. And, I mean, let's face it, they were one goal from going to the Stanley Cup final. Um, but right. they are it, they are what they are, and they're a bunch of lunch pail guys that have to show up and, and, and commit to that style of hockey a hundred percent for it to be successful um the problem i see there is that that worked great in the shortened season of the nhl playoffs and i don't know if they have the the horses to grind it for an 82 game schedule and even though last year you know they proved a lot of people wrong they finished second in the division um just five points behind the montreal Canadiens. Um, they weren't really, I don't think, playing that playoff style that we saw and was very effective for them in the Eastern Conference um, for that 82-game schedule. But I think for this team to be successful, they have to play that way uh, due to the, the makeup of that roster. Um, tell tell me, I mean, you you pretty much summed up those points quite succinctly. Um, and I I don't know if they're top three in that division myself. I I, you know, I, they were the team that everyone kept waiting to, waiting to fold and waiting to fold and waiting to fold. And and you know what? They never ever did. You, Pittsburgh did beat them, but I don't think they gave anything away throughout that. And I when when uh, Montreal got hit with their injuries, uh, they had a spell where they 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 were missing. I think Price missed some time and a couple other key players. I kept waiting for Ottawa to. To make that jump and close the seven, eight, nine-point gap that seemed to be consistently there, do it.
3: Um, I gotta tell you guys, being out out on Long Island, New York, uh, it's it's, it. You guys sound like the the Ranger fans I kept bumping into after Ottawa beat them. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how do we lose to them? We're so much better than them and you know, yada yada yada.
4: yada. Yeah. So
1: <laughs> and Ottawa is what they are. That's where it is. Um but I did I did want to go to last season's champions next and talk about the Canadians. They had a Russian exodus, if you will, with with Rajolov, Markov, and Emblem all gone. Um, they do bring in Jonathan Drew in and we've always wondered with Montreal the last couple of years where's the scoring come from um Drew in will certainly help in that manner uh Carl alssener coming in to solidify the defense with with Weber there in front of price I think is a is a plus um can you guys have Tampa you guys are real high on Tampa with Stamkos coming back um to push for the top of the division. Where do you see Montreal in uh, with that much? that much talent leaving do you think they did enough in the off season to replace it
4: if for me but another team or maybe it's going to be surprising saying this i don't have them in my the top three um I, I don't know who's going to play center for them sure they're going to try to put you right at center good luck i mean you're going to ask him to be your top line center and go up against michael and matthews and barkoff and stan Coast and you know, some of the greatest, there's a lot of good centers in that division, and, I, you know, I, I just told he's going to do it. I, I think he's a natural wigger. Um and, you know, they're going to they're gonna leave Galchenyuk on the wing, or maybe he should be the guy that's center, so I, I don't know, you know, and again, you know, <laughs> yeah, you said that Alzner's there, but it depends how high you're on Alzner. I, I think he's an okay four or five defenseman on a deep team. Uh, I don't think he's a top pair defenseman, and Shea Weber's 32 years old. He's getting up there. He started off really hot in Montreal last year, but at the end of the year, he kind of tailed off, so how many good years of Weber you have left, and then beyond that, I don't know, it's, it's Jeff Petrie, David Slemko, it's Brandon Davidson, Jordy Ben, Mark Shright, he's 39 years old. I mean, they're, I, I think they're putting all their eggs in the carry Price basket again, and <laughs> he's the best goaltender in the league, don't get me wrong, but that, that's risky. You're going to have to win every game 2-1 you know, or, or low-scoring games. You know, Gallagher is probably going to be healthy this year, so that's good for them, but I you know, Drew is a good get, don't get me wrong, but I, I just don't think they they don't have a first line center, they don't even have a second line center in my because I don't think Drewin's gonna last at center. they will start the season there, but I mean it's gonna last long. And then defensively, I don't think they're anything special either. And unless Terry Price stands on his head, I think it's the only way that they would win that division. Uh but even to be in the top ten division, you know, I that's gonna be tough for them. I, I think they're I think they're in the first or uh, rough season to be honest with you. Uh and I think at the end of the year, um, Bergevin's going to pay the price because I I think the way he's put the team together is is pretty bad, and even the prospects behind it. I mean, it's traded arguably their best prospect in Shrugachev to a division rival uh, to get Druin. So, you know, I'm a big fan of Druin. I think that was a good pickup, but how they're going to use him, I I think, is is wrong in in general. I'm I'm just not a fan of the roster.
3: Hey, Chad. So I want to talk to you about the Bruins and the Panthers. Uh, I'm a glass half full uh half not half full guy uh half empty guy with these two teams. uh you tell me if I'm wrong with the bruins uh i I see a lot of good i see a number of good players, but i I question the secondary scoring depth uh, you know char is now forty years old. Uh, they're going to be asking a lot of real young youngsters and Brandon Carlo and Charlie McAvoy. Do they, you know, if Rask was the, I think their record when Rask wasn't in the net was abysmal. Uh, yeah. You know, there's been a, a lot of miles on, on his body. And then Florida, you know, they lose Riley Smith and Marta so, and then bring in Dandenong and Vrabata. Um You know, granted, they didn't have, you know, they had injuries like most teams. They do have some real talented young players, obviously huge fans of Uberdo, Barkov, Tro- Trocek. You know, goes now 38. How do you feel about those two teams in the division?
4: Uh, I'll start with Boston. You know, I, I think that uh, no, they're a weird team. Uh, they, they have you know, they have Bergeron, they have Pasternak, Krejci, Marchand. Uh, so they have those big names at the top, and I don't know, depends how you feel about David Backus. I'm not high on them. Uh, and then defensively, there's McAvoy, uh, and we said there's, you know, Carlo, Troy Krug, I'm, I'm a fan of his, and Charles is what he is at 40 years old. And then Rest, you know, he's, he's – I think he's one of the better goaltenders in the league. Uh, you know, I, I keep on saying that I don't think Boston's going to be it, It's – I'm really struggling it right now. I'm trying to word this right. I, I don't think they're going to be a great team. Uh, but How open that division is, and maybe no team besides Tampa Bay really is great in that division. Uh, I I had them as one of my top three teams in that division. The uh, way the season ends, they have some kids coming up, and they you know, believe it or not, they they have a pretty good prospect pool. For me, you know, being here in Buffalo, kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, they have JFK, they have Bork, they have uh, Frank Petrano, who played a lot last year, is pretty good. Um, so. Where do I see them finishing? Probably two or three, I would say, uh, depending on how their business shakes out, if they can stay healthy. Uh, you know, McEvoy's only 19 years old, but he looks like he's going to be a stud, and Carlo was a surprise last year. So, you
3: know, they hey,
4: two, those two guys yeah. out
3: there. Chad, Ch- I live about from 20 minutes away from Charlie McEvoy who grew up, so I'm a big fan.
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, he was I great in the too. playoffs last year, and he played, so that's, that's, that's good to see. You uh, Florida... I don't know. I, Florida's one thing that's tough, you know. I, I think they went the analytics route last season and then threw that out the window this off season. Now they're back to where they were a couple <laughs> years ago. Uh, the yeah. the trades or the I guess basically giving away Marcia, so and uh, Riley Smith, I, I think, were kind of head scratchers. But so the big thing for them is they're going to get Hubert and Barkoff back. They missed a lot of last season. You know, those are two horses, and he's already had Equine. Hopefully, he can stay healthy, but. You have to wonder when we going to get a little longer at 38. And it's, if he can't be the player he was, can Reimer step up? And that defense still so question marks. You know, there's Eckblad, but Yandel's not excellent. And Demers, they tried to move him this offseason. They actually had a trade yeah. until he declined it. Uh you no know, Mark Pissick's a good bottom pair guy, and is kind of the same thing, a good bottom pair guy. Uh, it, it's really it, – it can they stay healthy and, you know, how much can they get out of Hubert O'Barkoff and Trojack? You know, that, I mean, that's what it comes down to. Uh, stand it off, you know, he's a question mark. He comes in the KHL, so who knows? And, you know, had a good season in Arizona last year, but he's 36 years old too. So right now I'd have them probably outside the top three, but if they get some things their way and if Hubert O'Barkoff can stay healthy and play pretty well, uh, I wouldn't surprise me they can sneak themselves into that three spot. But right now I have them probably around the five-six area.
1: I think I think that's pretty reasonable with Florida. Um, with with Marshall Yager and and Riley Smith leaving, they've lost. What do I have here in my notes? That those those three players combined for seventy seventy one goals and five scored. I mean that's fully totally a third of the goals the team put on uh, in the nets last year. Yeah. are going to put, uh, 70 plus goals on, on the board. They sh- um, and I personally, I'd like to thank Florida for that 12 month brain fart they went through because having jar go on here to start the golden Knights. I mean, the, thank you very much. If you next time, get him a limo and we'll just pick him up, you know, to, you know, call, <laughs> call, call, call him a limo, not a cab and just ship him straight to us because uh, it's from what I've seen, uh, he seems to be a great fit for, for the, the guys that are here now. And, and it seems like from the front office, they were, you know, they, they went on a 12 month brain fart. They're floundering around. They tried to rebuild the defense that didn't work. Um, they, they shipped out a lot of, of their, what you might think of as second core players, uh, in an attempt to get analytical and it, you know, w- w- this team for me with such, such roster turnover, the most in the division, maybe besides Buffalo, um, that seems that just a question mark to me this year. I don't, I don't know what to make of them. We'll have to wait and see what they do. And the, tw- the 20 game mark is going to be an important milepost for this, this club, I think is to see if they can put these pieces together into a cohesive offensive unit um, and still be able to, you know, they're going to have to, pick up their two way play. As you say, the long old. Um, his stats really haven't declined that much over the last five years, but you got to wonder what's in the tank there. Um, for me, like right. you said, I think four or five is a reasonable expectation for this club out of the gate and then maybe reassess 20 at the quarter pole mark and, and see and see where they're at. Well, let's, uh, we only have a little bit of time left. Let's go to Toronto. Um, the big three, 81 goals, 191 points last year. They bring in Marlowe Dominic Moore, Ron Hainsey. Uh, I think Boyle leaving might be uh, a bigger hole than, than a lot of people think. I really like Brian Boyle. Um, is this going to be – more of the same from the big three out of this group? Do we see any reason they slow down, sophomore slump, anything like that? Or are they going to have such confidence after that rookie campaign where uh, they, they might be able to uh, long-time rival Montreal's at the top of this division?
4: Yeah, Toronto, you know, I'll say on those three kids, Matthews, Marner, and uh, Nylander, they can all play. Uh, so I, I don't envision a sophomore slump of any kind. Uh, it's it certainly possibly mean, one of them, but I mean, they're, they're all really good hockey players. The thing about Toronto, I that, agree. You know, I, I, I'll I'll forewarn people: is they're a good team. They got very lucky last year. I, I'm looking through the, right yeah. now. I mean, Matthews 82 games, and names like 82 games, Kadri 82 games, Nylander 81, Marner 75, Bozak, 78. I mean, keep on. Everybody played last year. They really had no injury issues. Where I don't know. Are you going to get that same kind of luck this year? I don't think so. I mean, I mean, there's, there's a possibility you can lose one or two key players when you got a lot of luck last year with your health. And, you know, if they lose a guy like Nylander, or they lose a guy like Marner for maybe 20 or so games, even 15, 10 games, you know, that, that can make a difference in a season. You know, they, they were a wild card team last year. Yes. And, you know, a lot of people, they're not going to surprise people this year. You know, they did that last year. And now going into this season, everybody expects to loss. The pressure's going to be out that Toronto media. They're not going to be a surprise team anymore.
3: And Chad, they made the
4: wild...
3: They made the wild card, ahead. Chad, for your point, by one point over Lightning and the Islanders who had a lot of turmoil and injuries those teams and things didn't go perfectly like you just stated.
4: Right. Right. So right now I have them as a top three team in the division, maybe as a three team, but would it surprise you to them the playoffs? Absolutely not. You know, I-, I think they can... With that Toronto media... Um, that could put the pressure on them and then if they get a few bounces that don't go the way, like they got a lot of luck
3: last year, then,
4: you know, may- maybe we can be into a little bit of a-, a slide back here from Toronto.
3: Are they strong enough, ch- uh, Chad, on the blue line, do you think? Uh They
4: still you know, have they didn't work really to make do, don't, make don't a lot of upgrades, Right, yeah, they got, yeah. I mean, Riley, he's one of their better players. Uh, I mean, all they really do is bring in Hainsey and, I don't know, I mean, it's 36-year-old Ron Hainsey, what do you really expecting there? So, they didn't really address it. Uh, I don't. I think they will at some point. Uh, and they had JVR, who's going to be an unrestricted agent at the end of the year. And then they could use them as a piece to go in the deadline, or if not early in the season, to bring in a defenseman. Uh, and then it also gets to the point, too, where, I don't know, if you really want to get crazy and bring in a, a really good defenseman at the end of the season, maybe you use a guy like Nylander as a chip to bring in a top pair defenseman. And I guess, you know, letting have to pay all those big forwards you know, who are going to be due in a couple of years, you can kind of bring a defense and you sign maybe cheap. I always thought like Anaheim made a lot of sense for them, but maybe that's something they could revisit next summer and they can use Mueller as a chip to kind of flip their depth. Uh, but, yeah, their defense I don't think is that great, and I don't think it's really going to give Anderson any help back there. You know, So that's also something to watch too that could result in them sliding back.
3: Before we get your prediction for your top three, it seems like you have a lot of questions about everyone other than Tampa. Uh, Here, but uh, am am I wrong to think uh, that the Detroit Red Wings are surefire a lottery team this year?
4: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, and they they still have the deal with Anthony Sears going on, so I I don't, they're, yeah, they're in some trouble. I mean, Zetterberg said he wanted to go away in two years, and now he's back in North America and goes, oh, I'm kind of just kidding, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, Yeah, I I think Detroit's in a lot of trouble, and I kind of wonder how long they're going to let Kenny Holland keep running the show there. I mean, not that he's a bad general manager, but it's been a long time. I mean, it time to yeah. mix some things up there, but yeah, I'm not a fan of Detroit in any way, shape or form. And I think they're <laughs> one of the worst teams in the league, if not the worst team in the league.
3: Interesting. So give us your top, give us your top three, Chad, uh, go three, two, one for, for the Atlantic.
4: Uh, it, it's tough. It, it's so open. So right now,
3: I'll say right now I have it Toronto three,
4: Boston two, Tampa Bay one. Uh, but it's, it's so open that it can be completely different. You know, you never know. Tampa Bay could be, you know, we have seen them struggle in the regular season in the last couple of years. Even they made the long run. And then they kind of get to the playoffs and kick it on. You know, maybe it's kind of something we would have saw last year if they got in. But that's why I have it now, Toronto three, Boston two, Tampa Bay one. But um, it, it, it really could come out completely different.
3: Everyone, please follow Chad on Twitter at at, uh, cmcmdedominicis. He's the lead lead writer for the Hockey Writers on the Sabres. He co-hosts the Buffalo Sabres podcast, Beyond the Blade. Uh, Again, you can find that uh, on Grandstand Sports. Uh, So, Chad, we can't thank you enough. We'll have to have you back on outside of tampa i don't know what's going to happen but uh uh although i'll hire in ottawa than you guys but uh thanks again for joining us today yeah no problem all righty thank you to again to chad and uh, go ahead mark
1: hello
5: mark janet
3: Oh, hi, John. Mark, are you there?
5: Darryl's here.
3: Trouble. Hey, Daryl's there. Mark, are you there? Okay, so we have on the line here from uh, InsideHockey.com, uh, Daryl Houston and Janet Eagleson. Uh, they're uh, excellent fantasy hockey writers. Uh, check them out on Twitter. Um, and, of course, I don't have in my notes, if memory serves correct, Janet, you are at Real Eagleson. Is that right?
6: That's correct for her.
3: okay. and Daryl, you're at d Houston, like city. Um, am I missing something Smith, d- d- Smith. Houston Smith correct. That's correct.
6: <laughs> uh, no worries.
3: Handled this part. So uh, you know I, I I've done fantasy sports. I haven't done fantasy hockey in a very long time. I just uh, was in a very intense fantasy baseball league over the last 20-some-odd years. I've been retired the last three or four or so. Uh, but to me, the key or one of the biggest keys in doing fantasy sports is, like, finding the questions of, you know, what superstar is going to have the plus 10 to 20% year this year and which one is going gonna, is gonna to be the negative of that and what young player is going to break through uh, and what ones is going to be all about hype. So uh, with the 10, 15 minutes we have, you guys, let's start with the superstars. Love to, we'll start with you, uh, Janet, and then we'll go to Daryl. I'd love to hear, give me, each of you, one superstar you should totally buy in for your fantasy team this year, and one you should stay away from and why.
5: Hmm, that's fascinating. So. I am, despite his injuries, I am buying into Eric Carlson. He is the elite cream-of-the-crop defender when it comes to both on ice and in fantasy. What we saw last year from him, despite the injuries that we saw late, was a guy who actually transformed his game. He has gone from just being a fantasy man to an all-round perfect defender. Now, he is going to be out for a period of time that's going to drop him down the list. When it comes to draft days, people are gonna get gun shy. There is no need to be gun shy, even if he's missing a month, month and a half. What you're gonna have is a guy who's still gonna finish in the top five or six. And I'm always viewing things with a long term perspective. Keepers are my bag, you've gotta get back into hockey fantasy. It's gonna be so much fun with you for you now that the golden knights are around. And Carlson is the kind of guy who can lift you. The second half of any fantasy season is going to be critical. He's going to be there. Do not shy away from him. Now, Daryl's going to argue me on the next point because I am not buying into Brad Marchand. Any guy at this point in the NHL sort of season – yes, I know, Daryl. I'm so sorry. Um, Any guy who peaks at age 28 – and heads into his age 29 year, to expect him to be able to take that and take it that 10 or 15% higher like you just described is almost impossible. The the concept of lightning in a bottle, I think that's where Marchand sits. I I like him, but I do not like him in the way that a lot of other people are saying draft him top five. I am way more inclined to go and make sure that, say, Nikita Kucherov is on my team and not Brad Marchand. Now, Daryl, argue me.
6: Well, I, I would say, uh, as always, very well thought out argument, but I've got to disagree. Uh, Brad Marchand is a tremendous player. He's, uh, he's come along, uh, perfect timing, perfect place. Uh, I love his line, especially if uh, Pasternick is not on the line. Now, I know that sounds a little con- counterintuitive, but if Pasternick is not on the line, Bergeron is going to show more offense. And with Backels doing the heavy lifting, look for a big, big season out of Brad Marchand.
3: And who are you down on, Darrell? Not down on, but say, look, yes, he's going to have a good year, but he's going to be, if you're in an auction league way overpriced or taken in a snake draft, taken way too early, uh, let someone else draft him. Who, Who would you say to shy away from what superstar?
6: Well, a superstar that I'm worried about, uh, because I think it's, it's, it's too soon, but everybody's drafting him like a superstar, is Oscar Kleffboom from uh, Edmonton. I'm sure, he's got a nice upside, 55 points, he could do that, but he's not a Carlson, he's not a Burns, he's not a Hedman. So I worry about overdrafting in his case. Something really important to remember last year with the Edmonton Oilers, they had six players who played in 82 games. They had 11 others that played in at least 78 games. There's no way that's going to continue, and this guy has only had a maximum output in in the three years he's been in the league of 38 points. He is not Carlson. He's not Burns. He's not Hedman. Don't draft him as
3: such. Uh, You know, interesting. Well, it's funny. The I I did a fantasy keeper hockey league the last time for about five years, and the last time that happened. I think I had Charlie Simmer on my team, so I don't know if you guys uh, <laughs> uh, remember <laughs> who that was. <laughs> the Royal Crown Line.
4: That's
1: a good yeah, pick. Yeah, so he was. That's part, a good pick. Yeah, it's a good pick, sir.
3: Yeah. So, so uh we go ahead and we'll start with Janet, and then we'll go to Down, and then we'll I'll kick it over I'm sure Mark. Has a couple of questions in terms of Janet. Give me, give me two breakout players this year that your people that you think can break out be it a rookie or one- or two-year player uh, that people should be watching? And then we'll kick it to Daryl for the same question.
5: I really like Scott Darling moving to the Swirling Toilet Bowl in Carolina. He has done remarkably well in a backup role, and I really honestly believe that with the young players that they have at forward, the emerging defense, which quite honestly could be on its whole the best defense in the East, He is going to have an opportunity to take what would already be good, if not sterling um, ratios, so goals against and save percentage, and go from perhaps what might be a backup role or was a backup role in um, Chicago to a plus 30 win season in Carolina. I think Carolina is going to surprise this year um, and do it in relative anonymity. Another fellow um, who I'm going to – Pull away, and I was listening to your segment before around Detroit. Now, Detroit is going to be perhaps at the very bottom of the league, but if you take a look at what Anthony Mantha can do and what he did in the second half last year, if you look at his overall numbers, he only had 36 points in 60 games, but a big chunk of that came in the second half. Paired up with Henrik Zetterberg, who is aging but still like a fine – he's only getting a little bit better he might plateau this season but he knows how to make good players even better and i think that anthony mantha is the kind of player he came out of the queue the quebec major junior hockey league where they are known for offense he knows how to go top cheddar in a heartbeat his ability to score goals and do it in tight but also off the rush is going to be really important to a team that's going to struggle And like in fantasy, in a lot of ways, a lot of owners focus on uh, two big things. They always look at the East. They kind of ignore the West, but they also ignore the bad teams. And there's a lot of opportunity to tap into those gems that you find on the lower teams. It's a little bit like Sebastian Ajo last year in Carolina, completely under the radar, behind the big three in Toronto as a rookie. But his numbers were phenomenal. Look to the places where you're not typically going to find um, the good teams and you are going to find the real opportunities to stack your team for the season.
3: How about Darryl? you, Daryl? Yeah. And, and, well, and then I got a sleeper for both of you guys and I kick it a mark. What about you,
6: Daryl? Sounds good. Well, I'm going, to, I'm going to take a little nod from your earlier guest who was talking about Buffalo. And I love Sam Reinhart. I mean, this this kid's the real deal. If we can get some top play power to power unit time with him, you put him with with Eichel for the whole season, we've got something here. Without Eichel last year, 21 games, only 10 points. With Eichel, boom, 36 points in 58 games. This kid can play. And you look at Eichel, and he himself has said he's had two mediocre seasons where he hasn't proven anything. This is the year for Eichel to take another step. By the time we get to year four in Eichel's career, look out. Sam Height is going to come right along with him.
3: Well, I, I got a deep, deep, what I would call a deep sleeper. You know, back in uh, my fantasy baseball days when it got towards the end of the draft and we did an auction draft. But if you're doing the snake draft, it's the same thing. Those last two or three players, uh, or really the last five or six, actually, depending upon the league you're in, you're you're looking for, you know, uh, basically spend a dollar or two and get a 10 to $12 return. And being out here in Long Island, he only played in 20 games last year, but Josh Hosong has got skill, he's got speed, he, he sets up teammates, he can score, he, he looked at home. Uh, I'm not going to tell you he's going to score 70 points this year. But for you looking for that last roster spot or two, uh, he, he scored 10 points in 20 games, which is a – uh, you know, obviously production for forty points. You know, there's not many players anymore that get over fifty points. Wouldn't shock me if he knocks on the door for fifty points this year. So, uh, Josh Hosong is a deep sleeper pick for fantasy. I, I don't know how you guys feel about that.
5: Well, I gotta I
3: got agree. I, I think it's a great. That's a
6: that's a great choice. You're looking at a guy with the potential of twenty goals late in the draft. That's that's a, available. Uh, tremendous pick.
5: I like him as well. The only caveat to that is he is a new age player for an old school NHL. He flips his mouth off. He doesn't have any problem talking and saying what he at any time. And he's already caught a little bit of flack up here north of the 49th in Toronto all over the media because he made comment about Tavares playing out the, the string on the last year of his contract and the possibility of him coming to Toronto. It went absolutely viral. And because he's (laughs) willing to just talk, he doesn't mind. But everybody took it and thought, oh, my God, he knows John Tavares. Tavares is coming to Toronto. Guys like that don't fit well in the NHL against the old guard. So despite the fact that he's got all this potential and his speed, I saw him play in, I think, Major Junior before he hit the OHL. And he he skated circles around guys. His speed was incredible. but. He could get blackballed just as easily and find himself <laughs> out of the Island of Misfit Toys. How does that happen? It happens if you run your mouth off, and that's the only caveat I've got for you. I love him otherwise.
3: Well, the, the deep sleeper I love big picture in terms of keeper league on the Islanders is, is Matthew Barzell. Maybe that, that might be oh. the guy you get, and, and Stash, uh, you know, they, they have a lot of forwards, the Islanders. This, uh, but I, I think Barzell's going to force his way on the team but uh, and obviously he's a, uh, he, he, one of his biggest strengths is playing on the power play where you produce points, and the Islanders have the third worst power play. How that is, I have no idea. Last year, Buffalo somehow the first power play, and the Islanders have the 28th. I have no idea how that works <laughs> out. But, uh, uh, M- Mark, uh, let me kick it off. I've been hogging up the time with these two great guests, so let me kick it to you on uh, maybe some Golden Knights fantasy questions because that's a big unknown.
1: Okay, well, uh, I wanted to get a, a little philosophical take because um, we've been talking most about keeper leagues and year-long seasons, and there's a big trend, obviously, going towards the daily fantasy sports. What advice can you give to the DraftKings and, and the, the guys that like to play play the, the daily fantasy sports as, philosophically as opposed to getting into it long-term?
5: Daryl, I'm going to let time? you start. Start.
3: No
6: problem. Well, I would say uh, that the first Vegas player to look at is Marc Andre Florey. I think Mark's going to play 60 games or so. I think he's going to win 25 games. So the question for, for me is which of those 25 games is he's going to win? I'm looking at teams like Detroit, I'm looking at teams like Colorado. I would certainly uh, play Marc Andre Florey in a daily league against such talent.
5: Yeah, I think the the daily and, format. I'm I'm a keeper uh, lover, so I don't play daily very often. I look at matchups and um, trends and strings, and I also look at how big my wallet is because I want to make sure that if I'm feeling queasy at all, I am not over investing in something that I'm having second thoughts about. Um, guys who are on an absolute hot streak are perfect, as well as ones um, who are in the midst of a solid run if their team is excelling. Long winning streaks when it comes to a team. I'm always a little worried that those are situations that are just ripe for breaking apart and falling down, particularly when they're lined up against a team that is a lesser light who wants to push them off the ledge. Those are places where I'm thinking in my head, I'm staying away from guys, even if they're in a really great opportunity to, to pour in the points, unless it's a star, of course, but there's always somebody trying to knock the big guys off and the young bucks. And I think Vegas, Vegas is honestly gonna have a chip on its shoulder most of the season. Don't underrate what's going on there, particularly in, day, in daily stuff, because they're gonna come out flying every night they're going to be hunting for heads, not literally, because that, the sin bin has gone the way of the dodo bird. But daily formats, people need to be looking <laughs> at what the possibility is in terms of picking up some Vegas players sneakily, then lining up guys who are playing against them who might be there checking out the strip at the wrong time of night.
6: I think Marsh is What's
5: going
6: it? to be one of those guys that's going to be available for low-dough. And uh, he's going to be gunning. He's going to... Uh, be a key player for Vegas. The only thing with him, just a little caveat, is he needs talent around him to succeed. That's when he had his best in Florida, when he had the talent around him. Now, you've got a, you've got a really good guy with Shipershev. I think he's going to help. And in the beginning of the season with James Neal out, Uh, And that's an injury you want to keep an eye out on, too, with that broken hand. That could linger. That could be troublesome. So watch out for James Neal. But David Perron is essentially the same player right now, and he can come in. And so if if you look at the line and it shapes up with those three, I wouldn't necessarily go in and stack them in the daily league, but I would definitely look at Jordan as a a, uh, low-risk, high-reward player on a daily basis uh, against the proper teams.
1: Um, it's in- interesting that you you did bring up Flurry because a lot of people think this team will struggle to be a thirty team a thirty win team, um, but fortunately the the Golden Knights get sixteen games against Vancouver and the Arizona Coyotes, so it, <laughs> if Flurry's a net for most of those. That is uh, that is probably a benefit to get into that twenty five month five you were just talking about. Um, Dell Houston Smith, Janet Eagleson, thank you guys both for
4: joining us. We're just about out of time. Well, um,
3: well, well hold on. Uh, let. let can... uh, th- go ahead. Yes. Yeah. Please uh, tell us everybody where they can find your draft kit uh, uh, in terms of preparing for their fantasy leagues, which should be starting up shortly.
5: The best place you to go to it? is go to InsideHockey.com. There's a big banner Woo. across there. The there's a, a cover for everybody, pretty much. Um, So you can pick from one of six different covers that suit your fancy the most. Of course, I'm inclined to the Canadian one, um, just because I am. Uh, That's got Connor McDavid in the front, but there's six different versions. The content's all the same. InsideHockey.com, it's only $10 US, and you can do the e-commerce transaction right there for immediate download. It's a piece that you're going to want to take to your draft or to understand a little bit more about what your team and what your players are looking for. Tons of, of interesting things in there, Daryl can fill in a little bit more.
6: Well, it, it's, it's really ideal. It's, it's something that's going to, especially in the Vegas market where we've got we've got perhaps fantasy players for the very first time. This book will walk you through all the basics from setting up your cheat sheets, just like you would in football before a draft, you got to do the same thing in hockey really important when that wheel starts turning that you know what players you want to take and it helps you focus in after this draft is done it helps you focus in on your waiver wire and how to work it i i stress very carefully that you should only have like 13 players on your waiver list at any one time don't get confused there's too many players out there a lot of them do the exact same thing find the 13 players research them really hard Get to know them. This book will help you a lot in that respect, and then you're going. You're ready for the season.
1: Beautiful, beautiful. Thanks, guys, for coming in. Um, as, as we get farther into the season, maybe we'd like to have you back on to uh, look at roster adjustments and, and, like you say, waiver wire pickups, who's hot, who's not, how things are going, and, and give us a refresher about midpoint through the season. If you guys could come back, we'd really appreciate having you again.
5: That would be great, Christopher and Mark. We love this. And we also like to argue with each other, so it kind of works out well.
3: <laughs> it's true. It's a very exciting. Guys, don't, <laughs> guys, <laughs> don't worry. John, guys, don't worry. John Tavares isn't going to Toronto. He's staying on Long Island.
5: Oh, you might <laughs> be dreaming, <laughs> but I'm not sure.
3: Yeah.
5: Well, everyone said Stamp. Anyways, thank you so much. No worries.
3: Thank you very much, Thank We'll talk to you Take soon. it to the bank. Okay. All right, All my right, friend Janet, Mark. So uh, Smith yeah, they did a tremendous
1: job. down for us. Absolutely, absolutely. Um The so high real on quick, your thing, uh, but uh, little little criticism there. Little criticism from Janet on your on your boy host
3: Yeah, he does he does spat a little bit like he's like this new generation, but. uh Anyway, so let's do the Atlantic. Give me your 3-2-1. I'll give my 3-2-1, and then we'll we'll say goodbye and and promo uh, next week's show uh, before we do so in the Atlantic.
1: Well, I got to agree with Chad. This division's wide open. Montreal could win it again if they stay healthy, and Carey Price has even, you know, an average season from Carey Price is better than 25 goalies in the league. So I'm not sold on the demise of the Montreal Canadiens by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I don't see... You know, they have the same questions they go into every season with where's the offense coming from? Is Gary Price stand on his head again? Is the defense strong enough in front of him? Um, I, I'm going to put Montreal in third, um, with a with a close battle with Boston, I think Boston ends up fourth. Um, just because so much of their offense last season came from two guys, um, Marshawn and Pasternak, combined for seventy three goals, one hundred fifty five points, and they they need um, Backas and and the other guys to step up and put some more pucks in the net before um, I can bump them up anymore. I think. I think Toronto stays in the second spot. Um, I'm. I, I love watching those three play, and and it's not just those three. Everyone focuses on the big three, but I believe they had six fifty goal or fifty point forwards last year, and that's just exciting, good, fun hockey to watch. And they had enough out of Freddie Anderson to obviously get him into the playoffs, and and. Give the Capitals all they wanted. Um, I think. I mean, compare the the six six fifty point players there. The Kings had one, and so um, the, definitely, definitely super dynamic. Probably, maybe with Tampa Bay the most dynamic offense in the division, and possibly the league. Um, and with Stamkos coming back, and there, there seems to be a big buzz around Tampa Bay. I'm going to go ahead and put Tampa Bay at at the top of the division. But it's it's so wide open. You could have um, Buffalo and Florida could take the next step uh, and and surprise and push for that third, maybe even the second spot. Ottawa, can they do that for a full season? I think the playoff experience helps them. But playing that style for a full season, I don't know how that, I don't know how that works with the roster that they have. Um but that's that's my three, Chris. Who do you got?
3: Yeah, I mean I also have Montreal in third. Now keep in mind if Montreal was in the Metro or the Central, it would be a different story. But, you know, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna put my chips on you. Carey Price and Claude Julian having the team for the full year. Um I think they'll get just enough offense. Uh I do like the Allsner signing. Uh, I still think Shea Weber is a yeah. top defenseman, at least for the next year or two. Uh, and then when I compare him yeah. to the rest of the teams, I like them coming in third. I have Ottawa in second. Um, you know, Another thing we didn't talk about during the show is they're going to have two very talented youngsters, two of the top prospects in all hockey and Thomas Shabbat and Colin White, uh, You know, two youngsters joining this team this year. And no one's asking them to be franchise. Uh, Savers, they will be part of their big core moving forward, but just to really contribute this year, and I tell you what, if the Ottawa Senators can get the Bobby Ryan of the playoffs during the regular season, I really like their chances uh, to win this division. Resigning Mike Condon gives them a depth and goal, um, and I think Coulson, uh, is uh, I tend to think that they'll be back You know, around Halloween is the worst-case scenario, but obviously with injuries, you never know, but I, I don't think it's going to be as bad uh, uh, as anticipated. And then and then the number one, uh, Tampa, again, you know, they've really in the last two years have had uh, very little time playing with Sam Coast. Uh Kucherov obviously had a tremendous year. You know, really, Stamkos, Callahan, Tyler Johnson, those guys have to stay healthy. I really like adding the veteran Dan Girardi and picking up the super talented younger, uh, youngster circuit chair from Montreal. I like what they've done on D. Budai is the perfect backup goalie for them. Uh, with the youngster Vazilewski. Uh I'm a big fan of John Cooper, uh, as well as Big Shea. So Cooper. I have Camp, yeah. So I have T- Tampa one, Iowa two, Montreal three. Uh, isn't we a lot of pressure on Toronto this year? Um, you know, uh, if you real quick point on them, and also like uh, I look at Edmonton, although Edmonton with the division that they're in. Um, but in terms of Toronto, you know, a lot of times when teams go through these rebuilds and they have that year, right, they break through, they make the playoffs, and they play really well in the playoffs, and everyone now says, okay, well, they made that step, so now the next step is to make, let's say, the Eastern Conference Finals. Well, what happens a lot is that team takes a step back uh, the next year to go, and it might take a year or two to go a few steps forward. We've seen that in recent history with the Dallas Stars, the Columbus Blue Jackets, New York Islanders, all those teams, the Florida Panthers, all those teams come to mind. That's a good point. I I, I do have questions about them on the blue line. And if Frederick Anderson were ever to miss a decent amount of time, I I would kind of worry about their backup goalie situation. So um, anyway, uh, next week we have another big show. Uh, Russ Cohen will be on of Sportsology. Um, he's gonna break down the metro division. He's in the Philly area, he's a long Island guy, although somehow, some way he wound up being a Ranger fan, so uh I we'll have to try to you know, zoom that out of it. Yeah, all
1: kidding
3: aside. We're gonna have Russ on to break down the metro for us. We're working on additional guests uh on a on a special piece for our overtime segment as well. So we'll we'll try to do those uh, extra overtime segments uh, throughout the season. It worked well today. And, uh, we expect yeah. to be on the same bat time, same bat channel. So the Metro next week. And, uh, uh, and if you can check out in terms of getting ready for that show, check out my recent article at eyes The NH and I talk about this year's NHL sleeper team and it's a New York Islander website. So you figure out who it is. So, uh, Uh, With that, sir, I'm. uh, I think we're.
1: we're, I think we're good. Yep. Look forward to talking with Russ next week. Very interesting division. Absolutely. Um, Maybe the strongest division in hockey. So there's a lot to get to when we get to that. Um, Should should be a good time next week. We'll have more training camp reports and injury reports from Dan as as we go through. I'm going to try and make it to at least one or two training camp. Sessions this week. They're all morning sessions, and, and unfortunately, I do have a day job, so it's going to be tough, but I'm going to do what I can. Otherwise, we'll just rely on, on Dana's expertise when he comes in to fill us all in. And for that, we'll see you next week for Chris on Mark, and we're going. <music>